Welcome to Rethink Retail, the show where we dive into the stories and strategies behind some of the most successful brands on the planet. From brick and mortar giants to e-commerce disruptors, we uncover the secrets to their success and deliver the keys to true retail transformation. So ask yourself, are you ready to rethink retail? The future of retail starts now. Welcome to another episode of the Rethink Retail podcast live from NRF. I'm your host, Kirat Anand, with my good friend and GRL member, Barry McGough. Barry, thank you for being here. Thanks, Kirat. So Barry is the Group VP of Innovations at Americo Group. Prior to that, Barry held very senior roles in product innovation at Google, PVH, which is Tommy, Calvin Klein, Speedo, Wolverine. Barry, growing up, let me ask you a question. It sounds like the unbelievable role that every kid would want to innovate product, create apparel, footwear, different types of touch points. Did you know you were going to get into this role? I mean, as a child, did you know you were going to be a product innovator? Absolutely not. So I, I grew up in Laguna Beach, California, and um, uh, my biggest aspiration growing in a surf town was to be an opera singer. To be an opera singer? Yeah. I got into musical theater and dance and being on stage, and I realized that I had an okay instrument, and yeah. with that instrument, I got into the USC School of Music. Wow. What was the instrument? My voice. Yeah. <laughs> But it's kind of funny because when you're in the, the musical environment, their job as conservatory is to tell you how terrible you are. So it was a very, very interesting and intense environment. And from that, I said, I think opera's not my thing. I think it's actually going to be punk rock. So from opera to punk rock. I went from opera to punk rock. Okay, but you stayed in music. So I did stay in music. Okay. And then how long did that last? Uh, I was very much into the L.A. punk rock scene. And so in order to get a job, it would probably, it was very advantageous for me to work at a store. And the store was called Nana. Nana. N-A-N-A. And we were the first distributors of Dr. Martens in the U.S. And I remember going to the, the Western Shoe Associates show at the L.A. Mart downtown with a pipe and drape booth and having these big clunky shoes and shoe buyers from Wild Pair and Journeys, they would walk by and they would point and they would laugh. I remember three, the LA market. Three years later, I was they were giving me million unit orders. So so it was it was successful. But I, that's how it went from opera to punk rock to footwear and then how I got into product. Well, I mean, so it seems like there were some pivotal moments, mm -hmm. right? That shaped your career. Now you're leading some of these large brands. And you know, oh, now that I know what a great instrument voice you have had. Uh, <laughs> We're going to have you sing at our next Global Retail Leaders Dinner. Okay. Okay. So maybe, yeah, okay. Okay. I'll try to figure out why we'd be fun. Okay. But, um, you know, it's not every day I get to sit down with a Global Retail Leader who's helped Michael Phelps win 23 gold medals. So can you tell me a little bit about that story? So, okay, well, I, I, I don't know if I helped him, but I did help his team. So in the University of Ann Arbor, they were one of the sponsored teams of, of Speedo. And I was running product at Speedo for several years. So when we're looking at the idea around innovation, uh, what we want to do is get ahead of the competition. Running seasonal businesses, you want to get ahead of the competition. So one really good way is to listen to your athletes. Your athletes are your primary consumer, and they'll tell customer. you their, their problem. So when you figure out the problem statement, then you can figure out a solution. We did the same thing in North Face. So we went to the University of Ann Arbor pool 
And we saw tr these uh, athletes with the, the most uncomfortable things that you can ever imagine on their hands. They would cut a kickboard in half, drill holes in it, and use zip ties to lash halves of kickboards to their hands to train. The cutting into their hands and like bleeding and stuff like that. And we said, why the hell are you doing that? And they said, we are doing butterfly. And when you do butterfly, you need to literally get out of the water and push your human body out of the water and launch. And you, so you need surface contact. And when you can actually stress your muscles, then when you take those off, everything feels easy. It's like training at altitude. Yeah. So we said, we think we can do better than that. And we'd worked on a technology for, for fins where we were watching hydro propulsion. How could you move more air or water quicker? And what we looked at is whale's fins. Whale's fins have long fingers. They're little fingers on them. They're called tubercles. Okay. And that increases the surface contact of fin to water. So they can move in the water table with a lot of agility because they're pushing a lot of water. So if you have a piece of paper then that has a square edge, it has less surface the contact. Yeah. than the, the, So we made gigantic hand paddles with really comfortable thumb garages and tubercles to increase the surface contact so that they could get more loft with a smaller space. But they were gigantic, and we call them um, SMAO paddles, swimming my ass off. And so they were huge in the training community. And so I, I hope that we help some of the sprinters get a few, save a few seconds off their time. Well, I'm sure. That was fun. Well, I mean, that, that sounds very interesting, and that's probably also why I played baseball, because, you know, it's easier to swing a bat with a donut then cut uh -huh. your hands with those wooden bricks that you were talking about. It's true. Right. Yeah. But it sounds like you were applying innovation to solve a customer problem. Yes. Applied innovation to solve business needs. Can we talk a little bit more about that and more about maybe some pivotal moments or experiences and your approach in applied innovation yeah. throughout product development? No, I appreciate that. So I come from the product side. So when you are running seasonal product, like at the North Face, one of the things we did at the North Face is we also listened to our athletes. So we would go on journeys with Jimmy Chin or Conrad Anker, and we would go into the wilderness, be on their journey, try to keep ourselves alive as, as product people, because they said, we're not your guides. And then you get to see what problems that we have and then solve for them. So what I realized is that when I got brought from the product side into corporate innovation, I realized that, that their innovation has many flavors. And when people think about innovation, they usually think about big idea generation, future forecasting, and the innovation community will look at everything from a horizon perspective. Horizon one is what's happening today. Horizon four is, is five years, 10 years in the future. And then there is future forecasting and foresight. The problem is, is that everybody wants innovation in their business. It's a much overused word, but people don't want to invest in a 20-year event horizon. Yep. It becomes a cash drain. So I started thinking about this as a product person in terms of applied innovation. Applied innovation can, can look at how do you innovate something that always supports the core business, that is connected to revenue and profit and solves a problem of today. So I can look at the future at different Horizon 3 and Horizon 4, but what I'm going to work on is how to productize an idea and bring it into your business today. How do you balance the product innovations application on the business while staying ahead of the curve, but you don't want to be too far, right? You're a surfer right. 
you know, you gotta paddle at the right moment. If you paddle yeah. early, you're paddling and the wave crashes down. You yeah. paddle late, yeah. you miss the wave. Good analogy. So you have to paddle at the right time. So how do you balance staying ahead of the tech trends, but ensure that you're delivering that positive experience and you're applying that innovation? So we, we do think about things on the innovation side around, there's a, a common word that we use around pipeline. So we say you have to maintain a pipeline of ideas that are coming in. And I always believe that in enterprise, you need three different things to make innovation work. You need a pipe, you need a, a healthy pipeline. You need the ability to commercialize that, which is really the key. And then you need a willingness inside the organization to be able to do it. And if and one of those things isn't working, then it's like a Venn diagram or a three-legged stool, the stool falls down. Yeah. So if you have a great pipeline, but, and you have a great way of putting it in your business, but nobody wants it, you fail. And you can work that whole triangle around. So what we try to do is make sure that we have a sufficient pipeline and to get ahead of those ideas and understand what's coming at us and when. So I do have a process that really, I think is quite, I, I really enjoy it. And that's really what's happening right now. So tell me that playbook. What's okay. the process? Okay, so yeah. I'll share it out because I would invite people a, to join this me. Is a, this is a private conversation. Mm -hmm. Right, nobody's, yeah. No right? one's listening. No one's going to hack here. it. So right. tell us the playbook. <laughs> so no one's going to hack this. It's totally patented. Yeah. So this is a really interesting time of year. As human beings, we end the year, Christmas with our families and holidays, and, and we think about what we did last year, and we make New Year's resolutions. And when we make a New Year's resolution, we say, in the future, we're going to do this. And then we start our strategic planning process, and we say, here's what we're going to do in 2024. Yeah. So what happens is we also do this as, a, as an industry. So in the beginning of the year, from a technology point of view, we, start, we have CES. So CES is a consumer electronic show where there's a lot of hardware. People think of it as the, the, um, the touchscreen TVs and the folding LED screens and, and the, the new car launches. What we'll get also is a lot of stuff that's happening on the innovation side as well. Right here today, we're at the, at the National Retail Federation. I refer to National Retail Federation as the pointy end of CES. All that technology that's been developed over the last year, it's expressing itself on direct solutions that we will use in our industry. And then so, but I do like to round out the, this, this sort of predictive season, and I'll call the beginning of the year predictive season with South by Southwest. And people, a lot of people ask me, why do you do that? Is that, do you just go to like look at movies and and comedy shows, because that's what it's known for. But the first 10 days is the interactive session. And I call it Davos for the rest of us. Okay. So I, I wish I could go to Davos. I'm not, that's, that's not, I'm not at that level. They'll maybe go someday. But when you think about South by Southwest, there's no place that, that we as citizens can go and see the intersection of technology, media, politics, policy, business, fashion, the arts community, the creator community. And everyone will tell you from leading politicians to leading to industry leaders, exactly what they're going to do because they're excited about it. Yep. And what we do is we think about all the stuff that we see from a technology perspective, and we can start to pull out the red threads. What does society say they're going to do, excited about, invested in? And that in that way, I can start to contextualize what, not, and not just technology, but these major trends that are happening in society. So two years ago, the major trend at South by Southwest was the metaverse and crypto, right? You remember those two things? Yes. Right. So they're actually moving. They've gone through the Gartner hype cycle. So they went down to the trough of disillusionment and they're going to be moving into the plateau of productivity now. That's why you saw the Federal Trade Commission uh, authorize ETFs for Bitcoin just last week. So that was something which was left for dead. 
and now it's going to have a, a more modest functionality. That's the, that's the Gartner Hive cycle. Last year, every, all the talk was around AI and psychedelic drugs and using psychedelic drugs for things like PTSD, uh, other kinds of anxiety disorders. So, but now you see that that was predicted in, in March when people were saying, oh, well, you're going to hear about these things called LLMs or, or adversary, general adversarial networks. And we said, what the heck is that? So we learned real fast. So I always find that the things that are in this predictive season that we talk about, they'll be rolled out into the next year. And certainly we've seen the last 12 months of the execution of AI into real solutions. And that's now, now we're getting an explosion of AI and solutions at CES, NRF, exactly what we thought about. So I love the predictive season. That's how we get ahead and we can figure out also which waves to surf on. I love that answer. There's a lot to unpack there. And I think especially that part of, are we all going to be doing psychedelic drugs in the next two years based off that prediction or uh, you don't have to answer that. You know, I don't know. <laughs> some, something, something says maybe. I think some of the, <laughs> walking around NRF, I think some of us are actually doing them right now. But, you know, psychedelic drugs might not be a big thing, but sustainability is. Yeah. And I know sustainability is, it's, it's another buzzword that's thrown around a lot, but how do you incorporate sustainability within innovation and, and, and how should a product innovator be thinking about both of them in the retail yeah, that's uh, an, space. A lot of meat on that bone. Um, so we have been tracking innovation. When I was in the North Face, required reading for us was um, Last Child in the Wilderness. Yeah. It was talking about nature deficit disorder and the Willie McDonough book, Cradle to Cradle. And that was religion for us 10 years ago in the outdoor community. We thought, and every and people that are in CPG and 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 fashion, we thought that the, the consumer would demand sustainability. Yep. And the consumer didn't. The consumer expected sustainability and did Very not nice. really want to pay for it. Yep. So that's put us in a really interesting position because we ask ourselves the question: How important is it? How do we incorporate sustainability when it's going to affect our margins? It's going to increase cost of goods. And, and affect our businesses adversely from a financial perspective. What's happening right now is that sustainability is coming in, coming fast, but not because of the consumer, it's coming because of legis legislation. Yes. It's being mandated, New York Fashion Act, uh, European Ex Extended Producer Responsibility Act. So what's happening in California with SB 247, 248. So we're starting to see that, it, that sustainability will be mandated and it's coming fast and we will have no choice from an ESG perspective and from a compliance perspective to lean in hard. And that will have a positive effect on society, which I'm excited about. Um, but that will be the accelerant we've been expecting. And that accelerant is literally next month. Yeah. And I think <laughs> it's about time, right? I mean, there's yeah. so many other countries and, and even continents. If you look at Europe, they're so far ahead of us. Yes. I think it takes, uh, you know, it, it just takes one or two leaders in that field to start that trend, whether yeah. it be Nike or, or any of the brands that you were with to start that trend. And, um, and we talk about trends, let's talk about looking ahead. Mm -hmm. You've been to CES, you've walked all around NRF. What excites you the most about the future of innovation for the consumer and retail industry? I, I think in a, in a word, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably say technology and the digitalization of everything. Okay. So... One of the things that is interesting in the innovation space, usually people are siloed in the, into the thing that they do. Oh, you're a shoe, shoe person. Oh, you're a watch person. Oh, you're a digital person. If I have digital, I give it to my ID department. 
one of the things that I'm most excited about is being product agnostic. I believe in product agnosticism because I think problems to solve are bigger than one product line or category. And so understanding, like we talked about South by Southwest, yeah. right? Understanding the zeitgeist, what we should pay attention to, what not, means we can have more impact. And I'm personally addicted to impact. So if I look at technology and in a role where you're, you are responsible for doing a lot of raw material development, one thing I realize is that everything you do, even on the analog side, is digital. It's kind of like the metaverse. Yeah. It's always on and always off. Yeah. It's always digital and always analog at the same time. So, so every aspect of our supply chain is digital. And the digitalization of the supply chain is going to lead to everything from speed to market. It's going to lead to profitability in our, in our, in our enterprises. It's also going to lead to sustainable solution. Like there's a, uh, a really interesting company called Impact Analytics. They're here. They just got a $20 million investment from Dix. And what they're doing is they're adding different AI guided layers to demand planning. So that sounds like maybe not super provocative, but demand planning means two things. We order too much stuff and that yep. hits our bottom line. And demand planning means we order too much inventory and that gets go, goes into secondary markets or landfill. Yep. So if they're looking at different data sets that they can track using AI, then we can have more profitable businesses, more sustainable businesses. And then we can look at ambient factors like weather, politics, or where the World Cup is. And we can, we can use different models. We can train on different ambient models to get different forecasting when we used to just look in the rearview mirror. Yep. So technology is going to change all that. And a lot of people are looking at AI and saying, well, AI is, is the solution for this. It's not. It's the ingredient. It's the ingredient that will guide solutions that are hyper-targeted to the things that you need to solve for. Like demand planning is a problem. There's an AI-specific solution to that. And so when I look at the acceleration of AI as an ingredient, and I look at the digitalization of everything on the, on the supply chain, I look at all those efficiencies. That's what gets me really excited because that leads to scale. So it sounds like you fall in that 20% bucket, right? You're excited about the technology. Yeah. You're excited about the AI. You're excited about the evolution. How would you reach out to that other 80% of the workforce that's worried? I mean, we, we, I sit down with other global retail leaders and yeah. all the time, they say, my team is worried. They're worried about their jobs, my people, mm -hmm. this. How would you reach out and how would you communicate to that 80%? Okay. Um, that's an awesome question. Um, I'm not not worried. Okay. Yeah, I'm not not worried. Okay. So I am in the half glass full camp. Yeah. I do believe that. Which is 20%. It's yeah. not half. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yes. Yes. I'll do it. Yeah. That's better math. So I'm in the 80%. Yes. Yes. But I will say that it will be an ingredient. It will accelerate things. So uh, I'll divert for a little bit. Second, I'll come back to it. Yeah. They're like, what's happening right now with Adobe Firefly or what NVIDIA talked about last night, last night. at your event, the ability to use the lasso tool and then, and then take stuff out of imagery and then, and then use stable diffusion or text image generation to be able to create assets will completely revolutionize the 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 marketing industry and marcoms and everything it'll democratize marcoms in ways that we haven't seen before it won't i don't think it's going to take a job away i think it's going to make the person that has that job is going to really go far it will it will be an accelerant so i'm less worried about jobs i am worried about the ethics of ai and it but i do think that that's actually tossed around a lot people and larger corporations or data corporations will talk about we're going to create ethical ai and I think that's a red hearing. 
They can't. One company or corporation cannot create ethical AI. They can try, if they're training models, they can try to teach their models to learn on better data sets and use Rolfing to be able to get there. But if you think about what the Office of Technology and Science is doing in the Biden administration, they're trying, they're, they're in open consultation now with the public about what they need to work on to make sure that generative models don't continue the practice of redlining yeah. for home loans, because all AI can do is reflect what it sees. They can tell you what most people did before, but it doesn't have a conscience. It can't tell you what you should do in the future. So I do, I will make a plug for a, a great video from Tristan Harris. Okay. And Tristan Harris wrote The Social Dilemma. Okay. He quit Google because he thought Google wasn't ethical. Yes. And he has a really great um, YouTube uh, link, a YouTube like, like podcast around, it's called, um, it's called Ethical AI. Okay. And the, and the AI Dilemma. So there is an AI dilemma because we have to teach it to be ethical, but more at the level of society and not necessarily at the level of enterprise. So I'm not not worried, um, but it, but as a tool for us, I'm, I'm I get excited there. So you're cautiously optimistic. Yeah, very much so. I mean, a lot of people think that the genie's out of the bottle. Yes. Well, I mean, I think responsible AI is top of mind for a lot of corporations. And yeah, you called it ethical or responsible. But yes, that's very important. As we think about upcoming projects and initiatives that you're particularly enthusiastic about, let's say 2025 NRF, you and I, after one of our events or dinners, mm -hmm. we turn to you, Barry, how was the year? Was it a success? What would be some of the initiatives or projects you would like to see um, executed to make that year a success? So um, I'm, I'm very excited to be part of the America group. Yeah. Um, we are, um, serving a large community. We, uh, we, uh, distribute product at, op at opening price point mass levels. Uh, and so that means that we have the ability, if there are positive solutions that are being driven, they can be delivered at scale. Okay. So the idea of landing, um, a sustainable fiber or a technology solution that delivers efficiency into the supply chain at scale is very exciting. So those are the kind of things that I want to be talking to you about next year, delivering big format technology and big format raw materials development yeah. into the American market. So, so unlike the Primrose Adobe dress that we saw at the Rethink Retail Gala yesterday, yes. that one-off, one-of-a-kind, we don't have a price for a dress. Yes. You're doing the exact opposite. You're innovating product for the masses. Yep. Well, I so, when I was supporting the Saucony brand yeah. last year, which is very exciting, we worked with a company that was incubated through Fashion for Good okay. called Ambercycle. Yeah. They're doing a really, really amazing job with chemical recycling of post-consumer products. So what does that mean? Yeah. That means the stuff that would go to the wood, uh, Goodwill and then go into landfill is now melted, literally melted. And then the lyocell and the polyester are taken out and you can create new polyester fiber. We did an unbelievable capsule collection, beautiful, 1,200 pieces. Yeah. So that is a wonderful thing to do, but that's not going to have the, the, the sustainable impact, impact of taking stuff out of landfill at scale yeah. that, I, that I would want it to have. So larger corporations and, and larger, larger distribution means uh, a greater impact, and that gets very exciting for me. All right, well. I like impact. I love that. Well. Yeah. 
make an impact. It's right yeah, here. There we right? go. Global impact. retail leaders. <laughs> and as we talk about global retail leaders, why did you join the global retail leader community? It unbelievably dynamic. I mean, of course, you are the dynamism. You're the glue for sure. Um, but the kind of people that we can meet are like-minded and we, we're able to partner together with the people that we meet in this organization and be able to do things together. Because I mean, what's that old saying? If you want to go fast, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, yeah, together. go with others. Yeah, yeah. So I want to go with others. Oh, I love that. Yep. And I like to end my conversations with some rapid fire. Oh, okay. Yikes. Okay. Okay. So just some fun questions. Okay. People might not know this, but Barry's a great cook. Barry, what's your favorite thing to cook? Oh, uh, see, I told you this the other night. People that cook hate that question. Because <laughs> they don't have a cuisine. Okay. I, I, have, I, like to find the, I like to find the ingredient first and then figure out what it wants to be at the end. So I'm ingredient-based, not cuisine-based. Oh, the product agnostic and, and, and cuisine agnostic. Yes. I love it. Okay, next question. What book is on your bedside table? Uh, right now? Or, or on your hotel uh, uh, nightstand. I know you're, you're here in New York at the hotel. Uh, pass. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to give that a think because there's a, a lot right now that people are throwing at me. So. Okay. Top technology, IoT, or just whatever, something that was super interesting innovation Easy. that you saw at CES. Easy. So CES was amazing. It's always an, a visual and mental onslaught. Um, I, I, but the number one thing that we all freaked out on was the Rabbit R1. Oh, of course. And yeah. so I don't know if you know what that is, yeah. but it's basically a small handheld device that is designed, it's very covetous design. It was designed by Teenage Engineering. Did you, did you pre-book one or I, no? I pre-booked one, 199 bucks. And what it is, it's push to talk and you literally talk to generative AI and it, it gives you yeah. answers back I love around, that. around I love that. and connects to all your apps. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's chat, it's, it's chat GPT for my grandma. Yeah. That's because she can't use, she it's, can't type, right? They're, so, they're calling it a large action model, not yeah. a large language model. It'll go out and do stuff for you. Come back and give you an answer. Or chat GPT for the grandmas. Yes. That works too. <laughs> I accept. Okay. <laughs> um, one person dead or alive, you could have a meal with one-on-one. -on -one. Oh my gosh. Uh, I don't know if there's too many people. Can't give me a pass on two ones. Oh, give me a pass on the no. book. There's no wrong answer. There's no wrong answer. Dead or alive, one person. I'll get them in the room. It could be Michael Phelps, just yeah. so he can thank you for all the gold medals you, you, you helped yeah, him Yeah, it might be Barack Obama. That's a good one. Yeah. it's a good one. Uh, he was, he changed, he changed, he changed the game. And, yeah. and, and last question, what's the one product that you innovated that you're most proud of? Can I do two? Yeah, give me two. Okay, so one that I couldn't really talk about until he got to market uh, last month was um, a little tiny little piece. Yeah. It was called the sliding eyelet. Sliding eyelet. Sliding eyelet. It's on Merrill's kids' shoes now. And basically, it's reinventing the shoelace with a little tiny piece that costs 30 cents. Wow. And so that was a big problem because someone said, we would like you to reinvent the shoelace for kids yeah. who don't know how to tie their shoes. And mom and dad don't want to have slip-on shoes because they, they fall off. Yeah. So that was a small thing that's, I think, going to have a really big impact. Amazing. And number two? And number two, uh, well, actually, the two of them are weirdly right now, at this moment, off the top of my head, they're both Merrill. Okay. Because they kind of just executed. But one was a very format, um, re retake and recycle uh, like, a, like a platform 
where you could send your, it was called Mero Retrag. Okay. And I call it a product too, where you can send Macromeros for 20 bucks. Oh, and then you, you'd get a $20 discount for new shoes. New shoes. Those shoes will be taken back and either sterilized and photographed and resold to make the outdoor industry more accessible to buy used but sterile shoes. Or if they couldn't be reused, they would be cut up, destroyed, put into their component parts. Leather became leather, rubber became rubber, textile became textile. Textile, fully circular solution. And that, that was gonna, that is gonna throw off a couple million dollars in, in, in bottom line revenue yeah. to, the, to the company. So doing, doing good by doing, doing well by doing good is always something very exciting to me. So that was a, the productizing that was a big idea. And, and it brings back full circle what we spoke about, sustainable products, yeah. applied innovation, innovating for the business and creating for the customer. Applied innovation. But always making an impact. Yep. Barry, this has been always so much fun. Thanks, I mean, this Karat. has been so much fun. Yeah. It's always so much fun awesome. with you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. As always. Live from NRF signing off. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.